let's um, just start by reading. We're going to just jump around a bit today because it's, like I said, a topical message. But start in, in Luke 1. All right. Let's read here a little bit um, from Zechariah's prophecy at the end of Luke 1. So, Zechariah here, um, kind of a plan words here. His name means uh, God remembers, um, and he's kind of reviewing the Old Testament, you know, and how God remembered his promises and how he's going to fulfill them in Christ. So, uh, verse 67 here of Luke 1. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying... So this is right after he couldn't talk, and now he can talk again, and here he's going to praise the Lord. And this is what he says. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant. In the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that... Okay, pause right here, verse 71. That. So... This is what God is going to do. This is why he, how he's going to fulfill his promises. So this is an interesting summary here of what are the Old Testament promises, how is God going to fulfill them? Verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. So that's, again, um, he, he's fulfilling these Old Testament promises. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, verse 74, here's another that, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So let's stop right there. So 74 and 75 is really the crux here. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham, what was it that he promised? That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So here's what I'm going to present the next two weeks, kind of go over, and you've heard this before, but why we, this is actually from our series on the catechism, when we did the short catechism, kind of basics of the faith, the first question uh, that we asked was, why did God make me? And the answer we gave was actually a paraphrase of this verse. Um, you might remember it. I bet Deanna remembers it because she made that little song for the kids. Um, so why did God make me? It's an important question. Why did God make you? What does God want for you? What's kind of north in your life? You know, That God made us, um, this is just a paraphrase here, to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him all our days. To serve him, to be like him, to be with him all our days. I want you to see where I'm getting that from this particular verse before we go on, just because I want you to see that this is just really a paraphrase here. So, end of 74. Why did God deliver us? Why did God make these promises to Abraham? That we might serve him without fear, so to serve God, in holiness and righteousness, to be with God, uh, to, be, to be like God, before him all our days. Before him, that's face to face, with him all our days. To serve God, to be like God, and to be with God all our days. And why I want to review this is it's helpful to get your bearings, you know. Um, I thought about, I didn't end up wanting to do this because it's kind of cumbersome, but bringing up, you know, a big stack of 
systematic theology books, you know, and here's the whole Bible. The Bible's complicated. There's a lot in here, but the basics are clear. And in general, when we go throughout our life, we're kind of taking a patchwork of all the things we've talked about and trying to apply them to our lives every day. But for a long time, for the history of the Christian church, Pastors tried to help people by creating this summary, not just a patchwork quilt of verses you've memorized and lessons you've learned, but here's this catechism, which is just usually question and answer format so that you can remember some of the basics and kind of give everyone the same foundation. And the reason is we can't carry around everything we've read all the time. We work with a summary. And what summary do we use? And I'm just trying to help deliver a robust helpful, practical summary of the faith, really, that you can carry around every day. And I gave an example of this. I've used this example before, but I think it's helpful. Imagine it as a first aid kit, okay? A first aid kit has to be kind of a trade-off between usability and portability, right? You could make a first aid kit that is huge and has everything you could ever need almost any time. And it's so big that you have to drive it around and it weighs 2,000 pounds. That's called an ambulance, right? And there's a reason we aren't driving around ambulances, because that's just too much, right? There's a trade-off between portability and usability. The, there's actually first aid kits that are like backpacks. They're like 30 pounds, and like camp counselors carry them around. I don't know if you've ever seen that. They're not an ambulance, but they're pretty cumbersome. And I doubt you probably know anybody with a backpack size <laughs> unless you are a nurse or something like that and you go out on camping trips or something um, with a, a group of kids or something like that. But for most of us, the first aid kit that's actually practical and useful is, I've got mine, I pulled mine out of my car. We have one in our car like this size. And for 99% of the medical needs I've ever had, this is sufficient. And even when it wasn't, this was helpful, right? It's like you hit your head and you need stitches, like some gauze can help you get to the hospital. And this is kind of the purpose of this short summary and trying to uh, give something that you can remember and carry with you wherever you go. This is not to say that those theology books aren't useful. They absolutely are. But there's times when you're out and you're at standing in line at the grocery store and you can think about, well, why did God make me? To serve him, to be like him, to be with him. And it's right there. And you can think about, well, what does that mean right now? And so that's kind of my goal. That's kind of why I'm reviewing this is because it's been helpful to me. You know, it's, it's kind of like me pitching like this first aid kit. It's like, this helps me, you know. <laughs> this, I've used this, this, this you know, uh, has been so useful in my car. And um, it's, you can carry it around. It's easy, you know. Don't, why not do it? And so that's kind of what I'm saying here is I hope this answer and question and answer and these verses and thoughts are helpful to you. Like I said, we all have a summary we're using. And we're all have, we all have a summary of the Christian faith, of, of all the things we've learned, and we're trying to apply it. And I'm just trying to put this as one more tool in your toolkit as you go throughout your day. And like I said, this is not exhaustive. There's a lot of other answers. You know, we talked about the Westminster. The first question is, what is the chief end of man? You remember this? And it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The problem with that is 
for me, you know, one of the reasons I put this together is for kids. And I wanted to pass, teach my kids a, a catechism and help them understand the basics. And they just did not understand that. The question, what is the chief end of man? It's like, we don't talk like that. And so it's like, it's confusing. But to summarize it, you could say, well, why did God make me? And what's the purpose? And to glorify him, it's like, well, that's kind of an abstract concept, <laughs> right? But how can we glorify him? By serving him, by being like him, and being with him all our days. That's how we glorify God uh, in different ways, different facets. And so I want to, whether you're four, um, my daughter, you know, memorize this and knows this, uh, or you're 94, I think this could help you be helpful in your day-to-day life. So here's my prayer is that this would be like Matthew 13 says, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom is of heaven is like a master of the house who brings out treasure who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. So I'm hoping and praying that um, God would bless these efforts for our good and for his glory and bring out something old, something you've already heard and known, but maybe in a way that's new that you could take with you. Um, All right. So one reason I like this answer so much is, well, this question and answer, is that it fits so well within the larger narrative of the Bible. If we zoom out and look at the Bible from a 30,000 foot view, we can still see this. This isn't just this one verse, obscure verse, you know, in Luke 1, summarized in this way. This is true throughout the Bible, and you can see this all over. So I'm going to pull up a slide here. So, this is kind of a, a long chart, but this is just so that you can see this without having to flip um, like 12 times. But on the most left-hand column, we're going to start with creation. I want you to see this in creation. You know, if, if this is why God made us, we should see it in the creation story. Here's man. What is he meant to do? When God made Adam and Eve, what was their purpose? Well, let's go through these. To serve God. This is the top left-hand column. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over all the creatures. God was meant God meant man to serve him, to be a servant to God and to subdue the earth. God was was making man someone who could rule over all the all the creation. And that he says specifically, subdue it and have dominion. Man was meant to work. We're meant to serve God in where we are. Uh, specifically on earth, right? Um, not only that, we're to be like God. Genesis 126 says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Man is a reflection of God on earth. God, That's how God made man and woman, men and women, mankind, and to be with God. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Genesis 3.8. You can see really how this is what God was meant to do, but you also see how the fall corrupted all these things, right? Think about this. What, did, what happened in the fall? Adam and Eve decided, instead of serving God, I'm going to serve myself. I'm going to do what I want to do. Instead of doing what God has asked me to do, I'm going to serve my own desires. Instead of being like God, what happened? Instead of being holy and righteous, they became guilty and ashamed not like God. 
And what happened as a result? They were taken out of the garden. They could not be with God anymore because sin was separating them from God. That the fall, that sin reverses all these things. And we see it in the world today, right? Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve, is not disconnected from where we are. People are not serving God, right? People are unlike God. People are mean and unrighteous, and they do things that God would never do. Um, and far from God. People are far from God. All are results of the fall. And then we see, not only is this how creation started, we see redemption restoring these things. Christ came, just like we saw in Luke 1, that the reason Christ came was to put all these things back together. For man to no longer be a servant of self and sin, but be a servant of God again. For man no longer to be a very bad image bearer, right? Like, you read through the Judges, you know, the book of Judges, it says man did whatever was right in his own eyes. They were not, Israel was not a good reflection of who God was. They were not like God. Um, and to be with God. So Christ came to put all these things right. Let's read, some, I'll read you a couple of these verses. This is the middle column. This is to serve God. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see, Christ came to die, to, to wash us of our sin. Uh, he offered us a, as a sacrifice without blemish to purify our conscience from dead works. That's what we we're, were doing. We weren't serving God. We were doing all these dead works. To what? To serve the living God. Uh, a couple of verses here on being like God. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. You know, be holy as God is holy. That we're imitating God. Um, or Ephesians 5 specifically says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I like this verse about being with God, First Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. You see this threefold purpose of God in, in redemption. That God came to not just take away our guilt, which he definitely did come to take away our guilt, but he came to put us back in the relationship we were meant to have with God and relationship in the world that we were meant to have. We have a different purpose now. We're here to serve God and we're here to be like God and we're here to be with God. Um, and not only that, if this is the purpose of man, then we'll, we should see it at the beginning, right? In creation, we should see it restored in redemption, but if it's really the purpose of man, then it's going to continue on into eternity. And so we see it at the end of the Bible in new creation. when These things aren't going to stop, right? This is not going to end when you die or when Christ returns and everything's made new. We're going to continue to serve God. We're going to continue to be like God and we're going to continue to be with God and really and we're going to be fulfilling ultimately all those things the way they were meant to be when there's a new creation. So let's look here at this right-hand most column. This is the end of Re Revelation when God returns. Puts everything right. It says, There will no longer be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and he and his servants will serve him. We're going to serve God. Well, I want to kind of add just a little bit of a nuance here to this. The word serve, and we've talked about this before, but I'm going to repeat it. The word serve and the word worship are the same word in Greek and Hebrew. Kind of interesting. 
So whenever you think of serve, I automatically personally think of like work and doing something for God. But if you think of like the priests in the temple, they serve God. They did that. They did things for God. They, they offered the sacrifices, but they also worshiped God and that is service too. So you could think about it. In my mind, I'm kind of a visual person. So I imagine like somebody planting something, you know, like, but then I also imagine somebody like raising their hands. Maybe they're both kneeling, you know, because like in my mind, it's kind of a mirror image. It's like you're kneeling and planting or you're kneeling and like hands up worshiping. They're both serving. Okay. Worship, worshiping God is serving God. Uh, literally the same word. This could be translated different. Um, so just putting that little seed in your mind. We've already, we did a whole series on worship. Um, so you go back and uh, I think I gave a whole sermon just kind of explaining that. Okay. So not only will we serve God in the new creation, we will be like God. This one's a little bit um, literary, but I'll, I'll kind of explain it here. I'll give you a quote. They will see his face, we, and his name will be on their foreheads. Um, this idea of God's name being on our foreheads, uh, I'll read you a quote from Alexander McLaren that kind of explains this. The name is the manifested personality, the revealed God, or as we say in an abstract way, the character of God. The name is to be on the foreheads of his perfected people. It's a picturesque way of saying what the writer of Revelation says in plain words when he declares, oh, sorry, which, sorry, I messed up this quote. Um, it's a picturesque way of saying what the writer says in plain words when he declares, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Basically, Alexander McLaren is saying, this is kind of a picturesque way of saying the character of God kind of summarized in his name. We're going to be like that. We're going to bear God's image. Um, it's a picturesque way of saying we're going to bear the image of God in heaven. We, it's not saying we're, we're literally going to have a name tattooed on our forehead. It's saying that we're going to be like God. We're going to be his image bearers. We're going to ha- bear his character. Not in everything. Obviously, none of us are going to be omnipotent um, or anything like that. But his communicable attributes... Like kind of, we're gonna, we are gonna be loving. We are gonna be joyful. We are gonna be righteous. We are gonna be merciful. We are gonna be, you know, the, um, those things in heaven. Um, so, and then finally, you actually already seen this in these first two verses I quoted about being with God. It keeps coming up over and over um, that we're gonna be with God in the new creation, and there will be no more night. And they will need no light or lamp of the sun, for the Lord their God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. God's going to be right there with us. And he actually, that's in the other two verses, too. They will see his face. That's in 22.4. And the throne of the Lamb and of God will be in it, will be in the city. So we'll be with God. We're going to be with God. That's the way God's created the world. That's what he restored in redemption, and that's the way it's going to be for eternity. We're going to serve God and be like God and be with God all our days. So the reason I bring this up, and you can um, turn this off here. The reason I bring this up is not only is this helpful in our day-to-day life, I think this is helpful as you read through the Bible or you read through the Bible with your kids, that we see these things over and over. You see them in the temple. You see them in Exodus. In the tabernacle, you see them in the most obscure parts of the Bible. I mean, how many times have you gone through your Bible reading plan and got bogged down in Leviticus, right? Anybody? <laughs> Just me. Okay. Um, all right. Well, it's, it's helpful. Like, you can see these in Leviticus. I mean, anything that's simple enough for your four-year-old to remember, you know, and understand, 
And yet, to help you get through Leviticus and make sense of it, how it applies to your life, I feel like that's a helpful tool. I'll give you a couple examples just on that. Uh, Leviticus, you see this. God wanted his people to serve him, to be like him, to be with him. I'll read you a couple of verses here. For it is to me that the people of Israel are servants. Okay, uh, Leviticus twenty-five fifty-five. They are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 19, 1 and 2. Speak to the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Be like God. To serve God, to be like God, to be with God. And they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of the meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Leviticus 9, 5 and 6. This whole, this whole picture of the tabernacle, of all these sacrifices, of all the commandments, we could summarize them like this. God wanted Israel to serve God, to be like God, and to be with God all their days. He was right there in their midst. That's what the tabernacle was a, a picture of. There's God right here. He's with us. What does he want us to do? Does he want us to go out and sin and be like all the other nations and do all these wicked things? No. He wants us to be like him, to be holy as he is holy. And there's all these sacrifices to remind us. Look, sin is not sin and the presence of God don't go together. That to be before God, we have to be holy. How does that happen? Forgiveness, redemption, right? Um, and what's our purpose? Is is not to serve ourselves, not to be there just to fulfill our own desires, but we're created to serve God. And so, I just hope this is helpful to you. I know that uh, if you. Some of you may remember all this, which is fine. Um, and But for some of you, it might be new, or it might be something that you kind of forgot. And so I'm going to kind of, I'm trying to do two things this morning, kind of give you the background. I really want you to see that this isn't something that just kind of is my thought. I want you to see this is really from the Bible, not only just from specific verses, but it really helps with the, you know, larger picture of the Bible, when you, the 30,000-foot view of the Bible, what God was doing in creation all the way to new creation and in redemption with the people of Israel. And I want it to be helpful to you in terms of Bible reading. I mean, with your kids, okay? You're reading your Bible with your kids. As you go through some of these Old Testament books, you, know, you read through Genesis and your kids have some questions. Well, why did they do that? <laughs> what am I supposed to learn from this? You know, this is a strange story. <laughs> you can ask some basic questions. Was there anyone here who served God? And there may be people that weren't serving God. Well, those are either a positive or a negative example. Was there anyone in this story who was like God? Was there anyone in this story who wasn't acting like God? Was, was God with anyone here? Was there anyone who wanted to be with God? Was there anyone who wanted to run from God? These things come up over and over and over and over. And you can see God drawing people, Right? in the story of Jacob and Joseph and all over, you can see God wants people to be with him. He wants people to serve him, wants people to be like him. Okay, and so I'm just trying to give you a tool to help you and hopefully help you throughout your day. And secondly, I'm going to just stop right here and we're going to continue on next week and get into more about this. But I want you to think about this in terms of balance, okay? We, as human beings, we like things to be simple, right? We do. And a lot of times we'll oversimplify things. That, you know, this is 
as long as you eat right, you're never going to get sick or something like that. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. A lot of times people have their one thing that, you know, it's like, this is my thing. And think about that in terms of this idea of serving God, being like God, and being with God. Do we have a balance? Do you see any one of these as your purpose and the others as less your purpose? Do you want to serve God every day? Do you want to be more holy, merciful, patient, loving, generous, etc.? Be like God tomorrow than you were today. Do you want to be with God? Is there any one of these that takes precedent in your in your thinking or overshadows the other? I mean, it could be different for all of us. But I just want to kind of take a checkup here. Just take this last 10 minutes and do a checkup. What if we get so focused on one that we neglect the others? There's stories like this in the, in the Bible. Think about Mary and Martha. Okay, Martha was serving, 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 and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus learning, and Martha did not get it, right? She said to Jesus, Jesus, why don't you rebuke Mary? She's not helping me. <laughs> Remember that? And he says, Mary's chosen the good portion. You know, I'm, it's not, that won't be taken from her. I reminded her, it's not all about serving. Like, there's time to be with God, and that's an important and a good thing. Could you be like that in your life? where it's serving, 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 but you never have communion with God. You never, not literal communion, but you never take time. I'm not talking about, we are going to do communion. <laughs> but I'm talking about taking time with the Lord and spending time with Him, being in His presence, praying, praising, worshiping, um, and just getting alone and reading the Bible and having a conversation and pouring out your heart and asking God to speak back to you and teach you by His Spirit and, and His Word. It's very easy to do that, to get to where it's just all about doing, doing, doing. And so is that you? I mean, is there time where you actually enjoy just maybe, I don't know how, what it is for you, but at least for me, I like drink, sit down, drink a cup of coffee, look outside and see the trees and the sky and just think, God, you made all this. This is just wonderful. And have some time that's relaxing with the Lord and praising Him, and being thankful. At least for me, it's like part of it is just expressing thanks to God for all that He's made, and how wonderful the world is, that we have so much to be thankful for. There's a lot that's hard and difficult, and yet there's so much that's good, and we can take time just to spend with the Lord to say, God, thank you for food. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the health that I do have. Thank you for the time that you've given me. Thank you for friends. Thank you for your word. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of things. Do you take time and do that? Because if you don't, I could definitely see you running yourself ragged, right? And I think all of us have gotten into seasons where we're serving, 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 and then we have nothing left to give or we're, we crash. Why? Have we been, are we being filled as well as we're pouring out? Because we need both. We need time with God where he ministers to us and fills us and teaches us and encourages us. Even like Andy said, time where even you think about God really loves you. What a filling 
motivating, helpful, rejuvenating thing it is to spend time in the presence of the Lord and just to really know and meditate on, God, you really love me and you really delight in me. Doesn't that give you the energy, the assurance uh, to go out and to serve? Absolutely. Totally different than serving in just, I've got to serve God, I've got to serve God, I've got to serve God, and all I am is his servant. You could think about this in different you know, ways, like different relationships we all have to God. We're all God's servants, that's absolutely true. But we're also his children. He wants to spend time with us. We're also his friends, like Jesus says in John at the end of John. No longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends. God really delights in you. God really wants to spend time with you. And it's important for you to spend time with God. You were designed with all these purposes in mind. You weren't designed just to be a machine that works, works, works all the time. And if you get it in your mind, like, that's what my purpose is, is to work, work, work all the time, you're going to be frustrated that you have to sleep, that you need rest, that you get run down. Why? Because that's not your purpose. You're not a machine. You're not a robot. You're not like the dishwasher that you can just click start and run it 50 times in a row. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't need to sleep. God made you different. Why? He made you a person. And he wants to know you and be with you to serve God. Well, what about the other? Be like God. Okay? Think about it. What if we neglect that aspect? What if we're out serving God, serving God, serving God, and we're not like God at all? Right? What if we're unloving? What if we're out serving God and we don't have love for others? We're going to really miss, right? We're going to really, we're, miss, we're missing something big about the Bible, about what God has for us. That God just doesn't want us out there serving. He wants, actually wants us to be like him, to be his image bearers. He wants, he wants us to imitate Jesus. We could think about it this way. God doesn't just want you to do things. He wants you to be someone. And just as much as he's got you here for a purpose to go out and to serve, whether that's your kids or whether that's at your job or whether that's your friends and family, however that looks, he also wants you to be in that moment a type of person, a Jesus-like person, a Christian, a, a picture of him wherever you are. And that's important. If we get that out of whack, have there ever been times where you've just felt frustrated it's like, I just, I'm no help here. I'm not doing anything. I can't help. I can't do anything. I can't serve. Maybe that's because of a health issue or maybe it's, you know, you're out of your depth and your expertise or whatever. It doesn't mean there's no purpose for you there, right? God wants you to be like Jesus. And you can do that even when you're doing nothing, when you're just sitting, when you're there. Think about Job with his, and his friends. Um, they, did, they actually did a good job at first. Remember when they came and they sat in silence and they were just with Job? <laughs> That's a wonderful thing to sit for days with your friend just through their grief. Um, and there's times when we can be that. We can be a Christ-like presence with people even when we're not serving. We don't want to boil our purpose down to one dimension. It just breeds frustration. And... Frustration with the way God made you, right? We don't want our focus to be on any one of these. Um, I just read a quote uh, 
that kind of got this idea across. It was basically service. Here's service and here's Christ-likeness. And if you're just really serving and you're really doing a lot, then Christ-likeness doesn't matter as much. I'll, re- I'll paraphrase the quote, but basically it said, even if all these things are true, you know, are true about this person, that they're not like Jesus, they're doing all these horrible things, um, there's no doubt God blessed their ministry, so why stop any of that because of this sin? Like, think about that. It's saying, look, if, ser- if you're serving and doing all these good things, you don't really have to be that much like Jesus. It's the, it's the fruit that matters. It's what you get done in the kingdom that matters. It's not, like you're, it's not your Christ-likeness. And that's not true, right? That's, not, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, and so we don't want any one of these to get out of whack. It's a different kind of disaster than one we already talked about where you're serving, 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 and you run yourself into the ground. We talked about that. Think about Jesus praying in John 17 that he wants us to be with him where he is. God really wants to be with us. God wants you to be with him. And so all this is to say and ask this question, kind of a checkup for you. Is there any one of these you've neglected or undervalued or aren't interested in? I mean, it could be, just be honest with yourself and with God, and it could be, God, I hate serving. I hate work. I don't like working. Um, I just, I'd be happy sitting all day reading my Bible and praying, but I just, I hate getting out there and doing stuff. Like, it's, it just turns my stomach. <laughs> it could, you could be that person, okay? If that's you, that's an imbalance, right? Or it could be, I'll go out and serve all day long, but I just can hardly sit still to spend time with the Lord. I can hardly sit still and pray. Because it's just, i got to get up and i got to get something done. If that's you, ask the Lord to help you, to change you. Just be honest with him where you're at. Or maybe it's something you just don't value, you know, that you don't make time for. Uh, you don't spend time with the Lord. Or maybe it's our character. Is there any sense in which we know God wants us to be like him and we're wanting to grow each day, not just what we do, but in who we are? And that's a big deal. God is able and willing to help us, and this is what Christ died for, to change us, to give us his spirit that we might serve him and be like him and be with him all our days. And so, I hope this helps you. I hope you can think about this in your everyday life, that there's things that come up for me that I've given this example for, but I'll give it again. I'm waiting in line at Aldi and just thinking, Surely this isn't a part of God's design. You know, it's like, I'm just standing here. I'm not doing anything. I'm just waiting, you know. And then I think about this, okay. Why did God make me to serve him, to be like him, to be with him all my days? And I thought, well, I can't serve God right now in in the sense I'm not doing anything. I just need to wait here. But I certainly can be like God. I can be patient. And when I get up to the cash register, I cannot be short, I can be kind, I can be loving, I can be like God, I can be with God. I could use this time to pray say, and pray for the people around me, pray for the rest of my day, pray for patience when I get up to the cash, re- cash register. And for me, the, I think about these things and I ask God to help me, but there's n- never been a time where one of them didn't apply, and usually two of them. That there's things all the time 
where things are happening and it's like, God, what do you want me to do here? You know, whether that's you're with, you're with somebody, you spend a lot of time with people where it's not just direct conversations about God where you're sharing the gospel, right? What's God's purpose in that? Well, we can be with God for sure. Uh, and we can be like God. That there's a real value to being Christ-like in the world and with your lost friends and family members just to things that you don't, probably don't even realize that they're noticing that's different. And that matters. And God put you there for a purpose. So wherever you're at, maybe the, that you'll think about these things. Think about you're laying on the couch, if you're a husband, after, uh, <laughs> that's funny that I said that, unconsciously, usually the husband's the one laying on the couch, the wives are up. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't even think about that when I said that, but okay. Um, if you're a husband, you're laying on the couch, and the wife says, honey, you know, from the kitchen, you can think, well, God made me to serve him and to be like him and to be with him. Getting up, helping with the dishes, helping with dinner. I can be like Jesus by doing it with a good attitude, by by um, wanting to serve my wife. I can be serving him. I can literally be serving God by helping my wife with the dishes because this is what he's given me to do. He's given me a, a wife to love and serve and this opportunity to serve him and to be like him. That Christ came to serve the church. And, you know, marriage is a picture of the church and so I want to serve my wife. And so... There's just opportunities all over the place in your everyday life to be like Jesus, to serve Jesus, to be with Jesus, and to see those and to take joy, like Andy was saying. It reframes it in my mind. You know, it's like, do I love dishes? No. And I definitely don't love yard work. I love that even less than dishes. <laughs> but, and I have to talk myself through it to have a good attitude about it. It's like, okay. I'm thankful. What am I thankful for? I'm thankful I've got a yard, even though I have to mow it. Like, I'm thankful that we get to play in it. And I want to do it, you know, mow the yard with a good attitude. I don't want to teach my kids to grumble, you know, about having to work. Um, and I can do it like Jesus. I can do it for Jesus. And I can be with Jesus while I'm doing it. I can have take that opportunity to pray as I'm, as I'm mowing the yard or just be thankful and praise God for the, the sunshine. And... Uh, thankful i can just be thankful that one day we'll no be in heaven there's not going to be any allergies so you're going to be able to roll around in the grass and not be sick the rest of the day um but anyways i hope this is helpful to you i want you to think about this um if you're a parent hopefully this could help you as you read through some of the old testament new testament with your kids just have one more tool to talk to them about to see I hope this helps you to see the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross, that he came to save you fully, the full person, the full reason God created man, all these different aspects that God is not only washing away your sin just so that you can serve him, but because he is a God that wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to be with you. He made you his child, not just his servant. And he wants to change you. He wants you to be like him, a picture of Christ in the world. And that's huge. That there's lots of opportunities in your life to make a difference just by being Christ-like where you are. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray this is helpful and clear. We want to serve you and be like you and be with you every day. Would you help us? Give us wisdom to know what that looks like in each and every day.
situation. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.